Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to uh, the second hour of Amplify where we are speaking with uh, Leanne Tiemann, who is brought together under the title of Seeing God's Action in Our Lives, uh, under the concept of Chicken Soul for the Soul, Everyday uh, Catholicism, has brought together some 70 described as confidence-boosting stories which present convincing evidence, convincing evidence, that God is actively present in our lives and helping us out. Certainly something we need to know now during this uh, coronavirus uh, time, that God is actively present in our lives and helping us out. And there are some ways in which God is showing that, many ways in which God is, is showing that. We're going to invite you uh, to call with, uh, if you have a story that you would uh, would like to share, you can call us at 866-391-1020. And again, that's a toll-free number, 866 866- Three nine one, one zero, two zero. We have had someone jumped on the line early, um, knowing we were going to do it at this time, and so let's go to uh, Susie. Susie, welcome to Amplify. I mean, I'm uh, uh, You know, I think people in this world, anti-Semitic. You know, I mean, what happened at those uh, synagogues and everything like that? For me. I thank all of our heroes, and God loved us first. But people today don't think about it like that unless they do something. Throw themselves on the mercy of the court. When you premeditate things, next thing you know, I consider you a coward. You have to answer to God for everything we do. Just try to be a better person every day. And I, we buried my mom on Friday, and I got to sing Amazing Grace, but I wanted to send her out the way she deserved to be. My throat was a little raspy, but I made it through it because I prayed the whole time. Because I told her that I would do it, and there was no way that I wouldn't. So veterans and the ones that are heroes, I'm not talking about the traitors, keep threatening somebody about their life. that They're only entitled to one life. And it's so evil what these terrorists are doing. But God had his hand, has his hand in that, too. Say a prayer like the ACLU trying to take prayer out of school. I have a problem with that. Because like at Christmas time, the manure and everything, look, what is wrong with making our children understand that there is a God. I kept my okay. kids in, in, in church. 
baptism and everything non-denominational doesn't matter. We have to leave something for our children because one day we'll be gone too. So okay, this is yeah. For everything you do. All right, thank you for uh, bringing that story uh, to us, and uh, uh, it's um, no question about it that uh, we uh, have um, have to be careful about. Uh, our relationship with with God and our relationship uh, with uh, one another. Again, our number here, we're looking really for stories about the coronavirus if we can. Uh, there are other things that are there, they have value also. But uh, where you have um, been convinced of evidence that God is actively present in our lives and, and helping us out, that was true. Uh, in the way she talked about uh, the funeral, of course, uh, that... Uh, her mom and that had there those are limited today also um one of the one of the poems in in the book is on page uh uh 73 leanne uh and um it's uh, perhaps a, a context for our discussion during this hour the lord seems far away at times though i can't reason why he was right here just yesterday as i was passing by I told him in the morning that my time was really tight, but promised I would talk with him sometimes, perhaps the night. Yet as the shadows cast their gloom round evening colors deep, I barely whispered thanks to him as I fell off to sleep. The Lord seems far away at times, the reason's hard to say. He tried to reach me in my thoughts, but work pushed him away. I promised him at lunchtime I would read his word and pray. Instead, I worked right past my meal and through the rest of day. At dinner time, I bowed my head to him. I gave a nod and wondered as I watched TV, where's time to spend with God? It seems far away at times. The reasons all are mine. He's always there to hear my prayers, yet he must wait in line. There's time each day to talk with him, to read his word and pray. When it seems God's not reachable cause I walked away. He's never changed his whereabouts, his steadfast, he's proved. If God seems far away from me, it wasn't God who moved. Story, uh, a story, a uh, poem, excuse me, by Michelle uh, de la Penta. And um, uh, let, me, let me take a story uh, again, and the story that uh, I would like uh, to read it's to uh, sort of tell myself uh, from the book is uh, on page 191. It's uh, 53 of the 70 stories, and it's called uh, Christ in a Stranger's Guise. Now, uh, you should know, Leanne, that I have a great devotion to the angels so I probably could have picked every story that I wanted to pick up from that section on the angels, but I, I was disciplined enough not to do that. Uh, so uh, this is, um, and it fits, again, once again, the last story you told was about snow at Easter time and it being Good Friday. And this is, this is, uh, this takes place like the same time. This was um, uh, an unseasonably snowy April at, at at this time, and uh, a woman and her daughter uh, called uh, Amanda had gone to uh, New York City to see a Broadway.
play during uh, a spring break from school, and um, it was it was a nice kind of trip. All expenses paid by an employer for recognition of a successful project. They went to see Phantom of the Opera, and having never been to New York, they were warned by family and friends to uh, keep their purses uh, hidden, not look anyone directly in the eye, and act as though we were hardened Brooklynites so as not to give away our identities as as uh, two unsuspecting ladies from the heart of America. And so their strategy was to keep only a minimal amount of pocket change and cab fare handy in their purses. And um, the Plaza Hotel was, for them, a contrast in extremes. Outside, the doorman greeted the taxi. It greeted them at the taxi and gesturing a welcome to the grandest way and... Uh, they they were really surprised at the cost of things, the things that were so expensive, and um, uh, the what it, what occurred next then was something to them that was uh, truly unexplainable. And uh, and she says she she swears that the, that the events really happened. And this woman's name is Marla Bernard or Bernard, I'm not sure. And um, so they're, they're they're walking down this street and they're going pretty. Quickly, um, I look, trying to look like fellow New, New Yorkers in this great wave of uh, humanity. There was about 30 people deep and saying they, they were understanding now what the phrase means, the, the huddled masses. And uh, Amanda, the, the woman's daughter, uh, clinked coins into every box she saw outside these cardboard huts that were shoved up against uh, professional buildings. I've not been to New York, but uh, they, they were very glitzy, and yet they were homeless in front of them. And uh, her pockets uh, were were emptied after a period of time. She'd given away all of her money as they uh, went store by past store by store uh, with uh, the homeless uh, in front of them in cardboard boxes. And um, her mother says to her, "That's it. You're done." Uh, uh, there's just no more that uh, my my pockets are are empty, and but then as um, they approach another crowded corner, they pass a cardboard shelter with a sign that read uh, "homeless" and have AIDS, and there was a um, a a hooded figure that uh, sat there motionless. Uh, in the box uh, with a blanket draped draped from his head down uh, and across his shoulders. And he he just never looked up at them as they walked past them. Amanda began to cry, and um, her uh, mother reminded her that she was out of cash and uh, shoved um, um, her hands in her pockets in in frustration. And... uh, all of a sudden, she said, uh, she looked in, there's a crunch of paper in the right pocket, and as we waited, they say, for the longest uh, light to change, traffic light, she pulls out a $5 bill, $5, and uh, the mother says, no way, I looked at the money and then my daughter's tears, ah, oh, gee whiz here, and she beamed as the daughter, she grabs the money from her hand, mother's hand, and starts to appear back into the crowd. And uh, she hollers, wait, 
terrified that uh, she'd vanish in somewhere, cutting, uh, afraid that something might happen to her. And so uh, she turns and runs towards her daughter and the figure in the box, and she watches to uh, his amazement that he lifts his head now uh, to her and a gesture of thanks as she sets the money in the box by his side and his face is almost is illuminated, has nearly transparent skin and the palest of blue eyes. And um, she thinks that, uh, as she remembers it, that he may have had blonde hair uh, at the edge of the hood he wore, but she said she she doesn't know for sure. But, but she was mesmerized by his eyes, mesmerized particularly by his eyes, uh, because he seemed to look right through her and... The chill that she had felt seconds earlier evaporated with the warmth of his expression. And um, she goes on to uh, explain that I felt as though I was in the presence of someone not of this world. Something strange was going on here, something different, and wondered how she would explain this to anyone. Uh, A crazy thought ran through my mind It uh, was, uh, I found Jesus, and he's in a cardboard box on a street in Manhattan. And so she took Amanda's hand, and they turned to make their way back to the corner. Uh, They walked across the street and looked back once again towards the stranger, and there was no one there. There was no box, no sign, no silent figure. And Amanda and her mother just looked at one another, Neither of them spoke for several blocks, and finally they said in unison, Did you see him? Did you see him? And soon we found ourselves climbing up the steps of St. Patrick's Cathedral and said, Let's go light candles, Mama. Amanda said, It's Good Friday. So it was, and we did. Uh, Just a very beautiful story about uh, as we reach out uh, to people, we're not always uh, sure um, how how we're going to be affected by them or how we're going to affect them. When God is present within us, God has his own plans and can bless us, can bless people from us, and can bless us through other people. So we have just about... Uh, Five minutes to our next break. Is there another story that you can tell, that you would like to tell, Leanne? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> um, it's always hard to pick, you know, which ones are my favorite. People ask me that lots of times. I think one that really was in, touched my heart so much was one called Ambulance Calling. And the young EMTs were um, answering a call and to a particular neighborhood where they had gotten a call from a woman to, to please come. And, and they got there, and sure enough, there was a man outside the house waiting a, in a lawn chair. And um, the man said to them, have you ever treated a gunshot wound? And so the EMT said, are, are you intending to harm yourself tonight? And a few seconds passed, and then the wife burst into tears, and she said, her husband been very, very depressed, and she was afraid for his life, and that's why she called the ambulance. And um, the man said, um, he reached into his car, and he said, um, I, I'm, 
So he wanted to go back inside, and they said, no, no, you're not going to go back inside. So the man reached into his car, reached into his glove compartment, and, of course, the EMTs flinched. Is he going for a gun? Well, instead he pulled out a CD and uh, um, told him that he had written some songs. And then he said to the guys, do you believe in God? And, and the EMT answered yes. And he said, well, these are some songs I wrote telling people how it's not worth it to take your own lives. And as the story goes on, the man admits that he reached into the gov compartment for his gun. Yes, right. Because of the compassion of the EMPT. And when he said, do you believe in God? And he said, yes. He pulled out the CD that went on then to bless other people's lives. Right, and changed his whole life. How, um, again, it's so simple things that people can do when we, we show them care and whenever we, whenever we show them uh, love. Let me, let me just, um, in the amount of time we have, just to, uh, there, was a, there was the end of one of the stories uh, from Elizabeth uh, Schmeidler was, if I could just phone home, it's on page 22. Let me just read at least part of it. I see your tears that fall down like rain, and I know how hard it is to carry on. But if I could do one thing to help you get through, I would ask Lord for one more chance to talk again with you. If I could just phone home, I would tell you today I soared with eagles, and the peace that I'm feeling just cannot be explained. The love that fills my joyful soul just cannot be contained. If I could just phone home, you could hear it in my voice that I'm so happy. Now I can sit within God's presence, rest in his secure embrace. I can laugh and talk with Jesus while his light surrounds my face. If I could just phone home. Now I know that it's easy for me to be brave because it's you that's left behind so very broken. But I promise you one thing, there's so much more than you know. So try your very best to trust in God and let your grief go. If I could just phone home, I would tell you not to worry. Please don't cry, because God's love can move mountains and take away your pain. And what to you, like loss and death, has really all been gain. And though I can't phone home, when you need me, I will meet you in your heart. Talk to me like you used to. And though you might not hear a word, you find me in the starry night and in the sweet song of a bird. Until we meet again, know I love you and forever always will. Death can't separate our love. Our hearts will always be as one. Our love's not finished now, but only just begun. My life has just begun. It's almost like every morning when we wake up that way, uh, we can see that in some sense, our life has just begun. We're going to take this break, and then we'll be back. With, uh, 
Leanne Tiemann, who has written a book, well, put put together 70 stories, uh, seeing God's action in our lives, chicken soup for the soul, everyday Catholicism. Leanne, how do you how do you select 70 stories? Well, the wonderful challenge was I read about 2,000 stories in order to write Chicken Soup for the Soul, Living Catholic Faith. And when that book was complete, I called the publisher again and said, I have so many wonderful stories from these Catholics that we could write Chicken Soup for the Soul, Answered Prayers. And so we did. And then I called her again and said, we still have so many wonderful stories, we could write Chicken Soup for the Soul, a book of miracles. And so we did. And hundreds of thousands of people have enjoyed those books. Then wonderful, Sophia um, Institute Press, the Catholic publication, took the stories, made an agreement with Chicken Soup for the Soul to choose very special stories, a synopsis from all three of these books, and published them in what will be a four-book series of everyday Catholicism. Um, and the first one is Seeing God's Action in Our Lives. So as I read the 2,000 stories, I, I look for several things. Number one, I wanted to make sure that we approached um, something about each of the sacraments. I wanted things that appealed to cradle Catholics, to those that are still seeking, to those that are no longer um, living their faith. So looking for all that variety um, was a key part of it. And then one thing about stories is every story has to have a lesson of hope. Um, and some, I often say there's a difference between recounting a story and, and actually writing a story, recounting an experience and writing a story, because you can recount an experience, but when you tell the story, it has to have some benefit to the listener. And I'm sure that you agree, since you said you read every story in the first edition, Father, yes. that every one of these stories, even if they're sad, always have that element of hope. I have uh, probably 10 stories yet out of the ones that I selected. I know we could tell 70 for sure. And I wanted you to select some of yours. And as I noted earlier, that uh, probably the stories that I selected were the ones that touched me in different ways and that I felt I had a similar experience in my life or I didn't have to have that. Uh, it was just that uh, people have a way to touch us with uh, their life, with their love, with their forgiveness, uh, with, with their teaching. Um, the other ones that I, that I the, my remaining ones were uh, miracles, uh, a story of women who could have been killed in a car accident, uh, a gate to a miracle, uh, a miracle concerning breast cancer. Uh, and I'm probably going to ask you to tell this next one because you and I told me, you told me that you thought you really liked this one. Buddy, can you spare a prayer about a woman who prays for a homeless man? Um, a kind of a follow-up story to Brothers at uh, Ground Zero, a follow-up to the World Trade Center story with which the book begins. Uh, a, a Brother's Love is the title. Uh, a, a, a Brother Dies for His Brother in Vietnam, gives his own life to him. And it wasn't the same kind of experience that someone given their life, but uh, twice I had in as a young priest uh, to go and inform 
a family, that a, a wife uh, and or mother and father, that uh, son or husband had been killed and very traumatic, and yet uh, stories that inspire in, in so many ways so many years later. Moved by Grace, uh, uh, a story of titled Our Season of Faith. One was uh, uh, a day that, uh, like that, just ought to be a holiday. Is like the closing line. A day like that just ought to be a holiday. And, and I thought that, hey, wow, that's something we ought to do. Uh, there, there are things, moments in our life that we believe ought to be a holiday. And I mentioned to you that uh, a day like that for me was uh, Valentine's Day uh, eight years ago when I had open heart surgery. And uh, it's, it's in how I believe God was very active in my life at that time uh, during that operation. And then a day like that ought to be a holiday and it, that we can look at a lot of different holidays during the course of the year. But what are the special moments in our life that we want to remember that we, in a sense, make them a holiday. Uh, God, do you exist? An angel appears to a pregnant woman, and Jesus, be my eyes, a wife saves her husband. Um, can you can you tell us the story about, buddy, can you spare a prayer? It's such a, it's such a powerful story and one that you said you really liked. I really do. This young woman um, said she was really feeling sorry for herself, she was going through a divorce and had uh, moved from her home by the ocean in Southern California to, from back east to be near her family. And um, then her mother had a massive heart attack and died, and, and she just missed her mom so much, and she was just feeling so full of darkness as she was walking to the library one day. And uh, there was a man outside, a really dirty-looking man, smoking a cigarette. His face was filthy, and he was unshaven, and a stent of nicotine on the air around him, and as she got closer, he said, um, can you give me a dollar, lady? And she stopped and wanted to walk by, but actually stopped, and and she was feeling kind of um, grumpy, and she said, I'll give you a dollar, but you're going to have to earn it. And he stared back as, as she said something sort of crazy, which she admitted she sort of had, and she said, you know, I had a really bad day. You're going to have to pray for me. And a, a tender expression came over this weathered face, and he said, okay, but will you say one for me, too? And she's thinking, you know, what's wrong? He had his dollar. I didn't feel like I had anything left more to give him, and now he's asking me for something. And I said, all right, I'll pray for you. And I thought this would settle the issue, and he said, will you pray for me now? Mm. And she said his soft words kind of floated in the air, and it stopped her world. And inside, um, she heard a quiet voice once again, God speak to her heart, and she knew she had to just pray, and, and God was kind of putting her to the test, and she said, all right, I told him, and she sat on the bench and said, I'll pray for you, pray for you. And without a word, he took the cigarette from his mouth and crushed it into the dirt and, and put the rest of the cigarette in his pocket, apparently to use later, <laughs> removed his filthy, dirty cap from his dirty head, got off the bench, and he knelt down right beside her and closed his eyes and waited for her to pray. And she said, to this day, I, I will never know what people thought as they came in and out of the library, observing me praying for this humble man in tattered clothes who knelt before me, but in, his, in my eyes, he was no longer homeless. But he was a God's helper 
said to me. In him asking me, daring me to stop and pray, something happened. He gave more to me than I could ever have given to him. The years have gone by and the hurts have healed and new ones have come and gone, but the lessons I learned that day will be forever in my soul. Many wonderful things in life do not come wrapped in packages like we think they should. After all, God used a carpenter, not a king, to save the world. Maybe if I go back in time and be a wiser young woman than I was then, it would have been me asking this raggedy clothed man, buddy, can you spare a prayer? Right. <laughs> so beautiful. And uh, uh, I can I can think of at, at least one. May, there may have been more over the years uh, over the years that I've forgotten the story where um, I may have been a little bit impatient because I was on my way somewhere. And uh, when you when you have a caller and you're walking through downtown Pittsburgh, uh, you, you never know who's going to come up to you for for what, whatever reason. And I was a much younger priest then. And um, he, he came up to me and I just thought, oh, he, he wants wants some money. And I, I literally do not carry money through downtown Pittsburgh because I live downtown Pittsburgh. And uh, and he and it was the same thing. He, he said the exact same thing, which is why it selected this story. He says, I don't want any money. I don't want any money. Will you pray for me? Will you say a prayer with me now? So it was like a story that uh, I lived. And uh, there are a lot of those stories uh, like that that I, that I feel that I lived. And uh, uh, one, um, one was, uh, was, like I said, the day ought to be uh, like, a, like a holiday. Uh, let, me, let, me tell that, let me tell that particular story on page 130, uh, not 139, page 140, 148 in that, in that section. And so it's uh, through um, a career, man is a banker, financially rewarding. He was never content with uh, his, his work and wondering uh, what, uh, after his fourth year in the job, uh, uh, he began to want to look at something else, but to leave a secure position and return to uh, school was something that uh, would take more faith than, than he possessed. We all struggle with our faith at times, wondering if we can do. We've, we've said it early in this program, whether, whether or not uh, we, we would want to, uh, uh, to change, our, change something in, in our life. But, um, but he was fretting over uh, his son's uh, schoolwork. He was not doing well. His name was Baxter. And uh, he, the next evening he arrived home with his wife. And he, he wanted to go to Baxter's house to, uh, to, this, to this student. And um, it ended up being an old run-down trailer house uh, and hardly had anything, any heat in it. Um, cleared spot in the in the woods, and uh, and there were four elementary age children gathering firewood uh, for uh, for their for their heat, and and his uh, wife chatted for ten minutes, but uh, felt there was no need uh, to go inside the house. They had seen what they what they could see, as he having having gone with his wife to this home, and um, but eventually. A Baxter, the student, and he become uh, good friends. And he was a really big kid, but he was 
friendly, had a uh, fixed smile. And then he talks about something strange that that happens. Uh, it's curious how uh, so many things are, some of the stories we selected were, were Good Friday or Easter or Christmas. And this one's, one's Christmas time. And uh, he uh, was assigned an essay, What Christmas Means to Me. We're talking about Hugh Chapman here. And he says that Baxter really surprised him with his composition uh, in long was uh, in was made in in large block printed letters uh, with a jumble of spelling and and punctuation punctuation errors, uh, but the sincerity of what he did uh, really shined through it, and it w- was titled "What Christmas Means to Me." Some wise men heard that a new king would be born in Bethlehem. And they made their way through the woods to find him. And they followed a star, and they came to a barn where the baby was already born. And when they saw him, they knew it was Jesus. And they bowed down and worshipped him, because they knew that that the new baby lying in a manger would be the king of all kings. And um, then uh, when he he paused, Baxter quickly uh, points out, there's more on the back. The wise men were amazed at all they had seen that night. And while they were walking back to their homes, they talked about all the great things they had seen. Then, when they got about halfway home, one of the wise men turned to the others and said, Hey, you know what? This ought to be a holiday. And from then on... It was, and so that's 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 how it comes and that's to. That's how Christmas became how, a holiday. That's how Christmas, yeah. That's how Christmas then was uh, born. And uh, and as uh, as Baxter walks away, he says he is in. I experienced a new feeling on purpose, one that I had not known before that moment. And from my own heart, I knew that I was exactly where God intended for me. To be, and it changes. Baxter changes uh, his life, and he he speaks about how more than a decade has passed since Baxter entered uh, 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 his first classroom, and now as a seasoned teacher, he says he's learned that students come suddenly to our care, share a part of our lives, and through our time together, our lives are altered. And uh, two years ago, he says he grieved when. Uh, he found out that uh, Baxter had um, died in in an automobile accident. And then let me just read the end. Somewhere in the quiet of an early winter's evening, when I'm driving along winding country roads, I'll recall how a boy named Baxter, through his own faith, found the courage to exchange a broken-down trailer house for a mansion on high and from deep within my heart i hold to my own faith the assurance that i will see him again one day only this time it will be in the company of the king of kings and you know what a day like that just ought to be a holiday so so beautiful so simple and and uh, think about what you're doing, how you you are coming into people's lives through the stories that you select. Over 2,000, you've selected these 70 stories. 
And, and it must be, it says something about your own heart. It says something about your mind, I think, your own experience in terms of some of the things you've experienced in your life, going all the way, way back to uh, Saigon and Operation Baby Lift. And if only of us would take time to um, think a little bit about our life and what it is we've learned and how God has been a part of it and then share it with others. The scriptures are there and they certainly, we certainly need to reflect on the meaning of Jesus's words to us and learn from the experience of his life. But we are his children. The Holy Spirit, Pentecost is coming next week. Pentecost, we receive the spirit of God's love into our life. And I got to believe that God's spirit had to select you uh, to, 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 to have you select these 70 particular stories. No doubt about it. Every time I, many of these stories, when people sent them to me, they, so many times they said, I have a story, I don't know how to write it. But they would tell it to me and, and write, scribble it down on paper. Or once one, one was on a napkin. And, um, and I, every time I would pray to God to help me tell this person's story. And every time then I sent it back to the person and said, this has to be your voice, your story. I'm not trying to make things up. I'm trying to fill in the details. And 100% of the time they said to me, how did you know this is exactly what happened? Or how did you use that dialogue? Because that's exactly what he said to me. And and as I compiled all of the stories and, and made the chapters, I just prayed fervently. I, this is a very honored and but very humbling thing to share people's stories with the world. And all of my emails and my letters and everything tell me that these really do Im- impact lives. Some cradle Catholics tell me it strengthened my faith, and people who have, have been struggling with their faith say that it is it's totally renewed. And, um, and it, you know, the truth is, the stories are not just for Catholics. You'll find that they, sure. of course, they yeah. our God is universal. <laughs> so people of varied faiths and, and beliefs have found true joy and healing and hope in all of these stories. And um, it, it's not curious because he listens to the program. The producer walked in and told me a story about a friend of his um, reflected on something that had happened in his, his life and that changed him. And uh, the, my producer was uh, just as much affected almost by that young man as he, as he was himself. And so we need to, we need to share our, our stories uh, with one another because there are lessons to be learned as God has worked in and through uh, our lives in, in so many, many ways. And so our guest this evening has been Lee Ann Thiemann. We've been talking about her book, uh, Seeing God's Action in Our Lives. And I hope that the Feast of Pentecost will help in the future to bring God's power into our lives so that, again, uh, we have convincing evidence that God is actively present in our lives and helping us out, especially in these moments with the coronavirus. Leanne, thank you so very much uh, for being with us. Oh, golly, it's been my joy and my privilege. Thank you so much. Thank and you. I hope these stories bless and inspire everybody 
when they hear them and read yes. them as much as they did me in, in compiling them. All right. Thank you and good night. Good night. Don't forget how precious life is. How powerful love is. Tell someone now that you love them as God loves them.